I was lucky. I played in New Mexico military in junior college, and I played for a guy there named uh, uh, John Ushery, who was a kind of way ahead of his time, and Bob Dennis. And uh, they, we threw the ball all the time there. I mean, Coach Dennis used to walk up and down the sidelines in a trench coat and one of those 1950-ish looking hats on and uh, smoking cigarettes, and he'd scream at Coach Eshry if he called a run play. <laughs> so for me, it was the most fun I ever had playing, you know? And uh, so when I went into coaching, I got, you know, like everybody in the mid 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 to late 70s, everybody's running the I formation or the wishbone or something. And uh, I just figured there, there had to be another way to do it. I just didn't know how to do it. And then in 1980, I'd gotten a job at West Texas State as the quarterback and receiver coach. And we went out recruiting. I came home. This is at the end of the season in December. I came home, turned on the TV, and the 1980 Holiday Bowl was on with SMU playing BYU. And BYU was getting crunched. They were down by like 20 points. But with about three or four minutes to play and they came back and won the game. And I went in the office the next day and I told the staff, I said, I don't know what that guy in Provo, Utah is doing, but I'm going to find out. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with All-Pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From celebrating mental wins to actionable mental skills strategies and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket, Jake and Grant sit down with Hal Mummy, the creator of the Air Raid Offense, to discuss what motivated him to design the most high-powered offense in the history of football and how he coaches quarterbacks to overcome adversity. Ready List Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyLists are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to the In and Out of the Podcast series. My name is Grant Parr, and I'm here with my sidekick, uh, Jake the Snake Plumber, and we're going to talk the mental game when it comes to uh, quarterbacks and, and really dive deep in what, what makes a good quarterback from a mental perspective. So what's going on, Jake? Hey, not much, Grant. Just uh, enjoying doing this podcast, giving uh, the listeners out there something to think about on the middle side, like you said, and leadership and adversity and how to get through it. And also some fun stuff along the way, because, you know, you can't take it all too seriously. And uh, you go mental if it's all mental. So 
got to keep it light and we're looking forward to you know having a great coach and an awesome guest on today and i'll let you introduce him and uh yeah looking forward to it absolutely well, our, our guest actually has over 40 years of experience of coaching at the professional level, at the uh, D- Division One, Division Two level, and not only does he bring just an incredible mindset uh, in regards to designing offenses and working with quarterbacks, but he pretty much changed the game of football and, cr- and is the creator of the air raid offense. So with that being said, uh, I'd like to introduce Hal Mummy. How are you, Coach? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Right on, right on. Well, let's just get into it. I mean, I, I talked about the, the air raid offense, so we might as well just get right into it. I, I know that you were motivated years ago with watching Lavelle Edwards, the former B, uh, BYU head coach, and, and what he was doing with his offense. So when you were right. creating this air raid offense, like what, was, what gravitated to you to create this offense? Well, I, I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to have a way to throw the ball a lot because I, I played receiver in college, and, and, you know, it wasn't any fun stock blocking. So, yeah, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted more balls thrown. And uh, I was lucky. I played in the New Mexico military in junior college, and I played for a guy there named uh, uh, John Ushery, who was a kind of way ahead of his time, and Bob Dennis. And uh, they we threw the ball all the time there. I mean, Coach Dennis used to walk up and down the sidelines in a trench coat and one of those 1950-ish looking hats on and uh, smoking cigarettes, and he'd scream at Coach Esher if he called a run play. <laughs> so, for me, it was the most fun I ever had playing, you know? And uh, so, when I went into coaching, I got, you know, like everybody in the mid, mid, mid to late 70s, everybody's running the I-formation or the wishbone or something. And uh, I just figured there there had to be another way to do it. I just didn't know how to do it. And then in 1980, I'd gotten a job at West Texas State as the quarterback and receiver coach. And we went out recruiting. I came home. This is at the end of the season. In December, I came home, turned on the TV, and the 1980 Holiday Bowl was on with SMU playing BYU. And BYU was getting crunched. They were down by like 20 points, but with about three or four minutes to play, and they came back and won the game. And I went in the office the next day, and I told the staff, I said, I don't know what that guy in Provo, Utah is doing, but I'm going to find out. And so I just kind of took it upon myself. Uh, later, A couple of years later, we all the whole staff went to UTEP, and I was, got to be the offensive coordinator. And so we, we got lucky, and we followed BYU through the program through the schedule so I always had their film and I started cutting it up and we started implementing some of the stuff just kind of guessing at what they were doing and then our last year there we we uh we all got fired but before we got fired we beat we beat BYU and they were the defending national champions and coach Edwards I knew we were doing a good job but we were yet we were a young team and they came and I saw him at the convention, and one of their assistants said, you know, we've, we've lost some games before, but we've never lost to a team that we were better than running our stuff back at us. <laughs> and so he said, you're always welcome at BYU. So I, start, I, I got the job at Coppers Cove High School in Central Texas, and I was the head coach in AD. And uh, 
So I always made sure there was money to go to BYU a couple of times a year. And we did that for three years. We started throwing the ball around in Central Texas. In those days, it was the mid-'80s, and there was only a handful of guys throwing the ball in, in the state. Everybody was running the wishbone or the veer or something. And uh, so we kind of got a reputation for it. And then one day I was sitting around the office, and this friend of mine, Steve Kazar, calls up. And he was, at that point, the special teams coach for Mike Ditka at the Bears. And he said, do you want to be the head coach at Iowa Wesleyan? I said, I know you'd like to try that offense out in college. I said, yeah, I might. I said, tell me about it. He goes, well, they're the worst football team I've ever seen. And <laughs> they haven't won a game in two years. I said, well, what's the president like? Does he want to win? And he goes, yeah, he wants to win in the worst way. And so he told me some things to write in a letter to the president. I did it. And a couple months later, I was the head coach at, at Iowa Wesleyan College in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, which was a small NAI school with about 400 students. And uh, one of my first hires was Mike Leach to come in and be the wow. offensive line coach for me. And in those days, I, I tried to hire some other guys. Mike was actually coaching defense at College of the Desert, and he'd only been coaching for about a year. He had actually got his law degree from Pepperdine, and then was getting ready to take the bar. Went home and told his wife Sharon that he decided not to be a foot. Not he wanted to be a football coach. He wanted to be a lawyer. So I hired him, and, and uh, because he was really smart, and in in the in the late eighties if you were going to interview a line coach and told him, well, I want to play out of a two point stance about 75% of the time. And we're going to have big splits and we're going to throw the ball 50 times a game. You probably wouldn't get the, get to the end of that, the end of that uh, little speech before they got up and walked out of the room on you. <laughs> so I just decided I need to get somebody that could coach the O line that would do what I wanted and, and, and do it the way I had learned it from BYU. And and Mike was the perfect fit because he had gone to BYU. He actually had the same affinity for the, that program that I did, and and so we we uh, we put all this together. And in the first two years we were there, we got so good. Nobody. We won seven the first year, and we won I think eight the second year. Um, we got so good so fast. None of those little schools around there play us anymore. <laughs> and so we had to start playing in the big state universities and kind of what what are now d2 and, and fcs so we had we had this impossible schedule had everybody back for the 1991 season and we were looking at the schedule going we might have our best team ever and only win three games just because we were playing all these bigger schools so we we, we kind of hit the road to find some ideas and we went to florida went to orlando and a guy named don matthews who was a great end up winning six gray cups in Canada is great at CFL coach, but he was coaching one of those spring leagues in those days. I think it was the world league of American football. And so Mike knew somebody on the staff and he said, well, let's call him up and go by and visit. So we did. And at the end of uh, practice, I asked coach Matthews, I said, what's y'all's best drill? And he goes, well, watch bandit drill at the end. That's our two minute offense. And I'd seen two minute offense before, but, these guys had it down to a science, how to practice it. And I'm standing there watching. And I told Mike, I said, well, that's our, that's our, there's our edge. I said, we're not going to do it in two minutes. We're going to do it all the time. <laughs> so we took that drill back, put it in I Wesleyan. First game of the season coming up, we had 
to play the uh, uh, D2 number 10 team of the nation. So they were ranked in the top 10 and they were a division above us in, in classification and uh, had them at home, uh, Northeast Missouri. It's now called Truman State. And they came in, they got ahead 24 to 7 at halftime. I'm walking into the locker room and I'm kind of thinking this is really a huge mistake playing these guys, and particularly at home. And our quarterback came up to me, Dustin Dewald, and he said, don't worry, you don't have to say anything to him, we're going to win this game. And I looked at him, I was kind of, obviously you're not watching the same game I am. And uh, then our big left tackle, Sean Martin, comes up to me, puts his arm around me, says, coach, don't say anything to anybody, we're going to win. But what they realized was they had already worn their defense out because we were playing so fast. And and we went on to come back and beat them 34-31. to 31. It's still probably the, the greatest victory they ever had at that school. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of what everybody now knows is the air raid offense. Wow. wow. That's pretty amazing. Um, thinking, thinking through this, you know, I, I have to say <laughs> air raid is a great name, but it sounds more to me like air recess. Uh, you know, where you, cause I didn't, well, I don't remember handing the ball off at recess. Yeah. What's well, that? you know, nobody wants to do that, right? Nobody, nobody yeah. goes out in the summer with their buddies and practices handoffs, you know, I know. Like, they go out and practice so, routes and throwing and catching. So yeah, man, we wanted to take advantage of that. That's awesome, man. That's just like how I see it. Air recess, man, air raid. You're pissing off a lot of fullbacks or a lot of uh, five foot nine, oh, yeah. two hundred and forty pound blockheads. They probably hate your guts, but then uh, yeah, all them athletes, all them guys that like running around, love you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you I, ever? You know, uh, did you ever? It's, it's been a lot of fun being able to coach a lot of great receivers through the years and a lot of great quarterbacks. Hell yeah, man, for sure. Did you ever foresee this offensive philosophy becoming so prevalent and actually, you know, finally? where things get invented is not in the NFL. It's kind of strange. You know, you think the best coaches in the world in the NFL would be revolutionizing the game, yet they all kind of just copy from you guys that can do it down down at the lower levels in college where you have honed your, you know, offensive philosophy in the air raid. Did you ever see it becoming so prevalent and trickling up into the NFL? Not when we first started. When we first started, this was done mainly uh... – you know, just pure necessity. We we were going to get killed if we didn't get an edge. And, yeah. uh, but as time went on, that was, you know, early 1990s. By the time we got to like 2004, five, six, uh, Mike Leach had gotten the job at Texas Tech. I'd been at Kentucky. I mean, there, you know, people, Dana Holgerson was branching out, Sonny Dykes, you know, a bunch of the guys that worked with us were becoming head coaches. And, uh, yeah, I did. I was sitting watching a game one night. I was watching the Patriots play the Dolphins. And I'm watching quick screens like we do them. I'm watching crossing routes like we do them. So I called up each, and he's watching the same game. And love it. I said, are you watching this game? And he goes, yeah. I said, you remember that time when Guy Morris worked for us and he went to work for Buddy Ryan and he called us up and, and uh, he said, I almost got fired today. And we said, why, why is that? He said, well, we're sitting in the staff room trying to figure out how to block nine with seven. And I kept saying, <laughs> why don't we just raise up and throw it to the wide receiver that corners off of him like eight yards. And he said the second time he said it, but he told him if he said it one more time, he was going to fire him. 
And so he just had to shut up. But he called us as soon as the meeting was over to tell us. And so then we're watching it. This is a few years later. We're watching this in the NFL. I go, Mike, you remember that? He goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. I said, what do you think? He said, well, I'm pretty sure Wes Welker is the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) They call for film all the time. He said, I always look up and see some of our stuff. You know, they're doing some version of it, you know. So, yeah, you know, at that point I kind of figured out that, yeah, this is probably going to catch on at every level. Um, but we, you know, there was there was decades there where people were, you know, there they was cute little offense, but it won't work in the big time. I heard that in my second game at, at Kentucky, and then Tim Couch went out and threw seven touchdown passes on the people that said it. Um, wow. Yeah, we we had a lot of that. Um, I think when we beat Alabama there my first year, they hadn't beaten Alabama in seventy five years in Kentucky. And so it'd been wow. kind of a dry spell. So when we beat them, the high schools in Alabama started coming up uh, to see us at Kentucky. And the, a lot of the high schools from Texas and um, through the South. And, and once that, it, it kind of spread like a grass fire after that. You, you know, speaking of Alabama, I think it was, it might have been around 10 years ago or so. Um, I was reading an article about Nick Saban, and he was talking about offenses like air raid that are just fast tempo and he was bitching and moaning about how these these type of offenses are potentially going to um, increase injury yeah well we kind of won that argument yeah he got in a big argument with leach over that i think they had like a twitter war or something <laughs> but uh you know he's kind of cut around so i i you know we've never i obviously if you play more plays you're you could have more injuries, but we have safer plays than people that were just going to basically have inside drill with a, with a nine on nine, you know? Hmm. So it's a, it's a trade-off. Where do you see as the game is evolving? Um, I mean, when I came out in 97, I was six two, 195 pounds. I was too short, too small. Couldn't make it yeah, in the you league. And now we got in the last joke. I always enjoyed watching you play. <laughs> Yeah, you hey, perfect in our offense. Well, you know, Bobby Petrino wanted to do that at ASU, and then uh, Bruce Snyder was a, you know, he was an eye back, two tight end, one, you yeah. know, downhill runner, play action guy, and that's why Bobby left because he wanted to spread us out with my talents and let me, uh, you know, let me basically run the air raid back then. But all that yeah. aside, yeah, you, you know, where do you, you would have been good? Yeah, man, I, 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 the air raid and this uh, exciting style of play, is, you know, brought me back to watching the game after I retired, and it's fun to see now this, uh, you know, the 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 stigma of the too short the quarterbacks are too short. You know, Kyler Murray's not even five <laughs> ten. You got you yeah. know Baker Mayfield Baker under six Mayfield foot before him. Yeah, yeah, you know, so no, these I... shorter guys are coming in. So where do you see the game continuing to go? You know, in five ten years, are we going to see? More, I, I hope, but where do you see more athletes back there playing quarterback, or, or how does it go as far as trickling all the way up to the NFL? Well, I think you're going to continue to see athletic quarterbacks. And yeah. the great thing about doing this is in 1986, when I went to Coppers Cove High School to coach, the four best athletes in school, none of them played football. They played basketball, they played soccer, they played baseball, they ran track. But they didn't play football because football wasn't fun. 
And so yeah. I got some of my BYU film out, and I got some run-and-shoot film that I got from June Jones. And uh, I showed it these four guys. I said, would y'all like to do this? And they said, oh, yeah. Well, they were all sophomores in high school at that point. I showed it to them. Three years later when I left, they were the all-district quarterback, all-district receiver, all-district tight end, and all-state wide receiver. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> wow. they pretty much changed the school there. That's awesome. So we had we had we managed to get. I guess my point is we managed to get athletic guys back in the game. You know, if you think about it, when you probably about the time you came out of high school, Jake, and and when you were in high school, you know, basketball was starting to take over. They had they had summer leagues, all sorts of stuff. Soccer, yeah. same thing. Um, baseball, same thing. But football wasn't. You know, in the summertime, you didn't do anything in football. Lift weights, you know. Um, now, you know, you have and play you basketball. Seven, seven <laughs> and, yeah, right. yeah, play basketball. Yeah, that's what I did all summer. I do a little weight training to play yeah. basketball. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the way it was. But now we've got we've got guys that 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 are great athletes that don't even play basketball. They just go to seven on seven all summer. And uh, yeah. so I guess made the game better. And because of that, I think you're going to continue to see a lot of really athletic quarterbacks uh, that know their way around the passing game. Um, they can recognize coverage. They, they they come out of high school and being able to do all that stuff now. So I think it, I don't think it'll go back to being ground and pound. Uh, the fans won't let it happen. You know, it's like you were saying you you start you got you start watching the game again because it was fun to watch. Yeah, but you know, you got those coaches out there that will go back, maybe try to bring it back just because you know, I could see Harbaugh doing something like that, bringing back the ground and pound just because he'll piss a bunch of people off and just say, yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I, I think they'll it. always have some guys like that. But but really, there's there's kind of a younger set taking over, too. And yeah. uh, I, I don't, I think they've come along in this era. Where, where football's been fun and they're not going to want to go back. And I, I think you'll see even more innovative stuff, you know. You know, Coach, when when you're working with quarterbacks, and I know there's a ton of attributes that I'm, I'm sure that that get you all excited when you're working with a quarterback, but what's that one attribute that you love seeing in a quarterback and, and what's that one negative attribute that just drives you crazy? Well, the one thing you love to see is that they have a great passion for the game and, and that they love the game. And, and if they have that, you, you can usually figure out what their other, their other uh, kind of pluses and minuses are and, and work around it, you know. So I, 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 want, I want to see that. Awesome. I want to see them have a passion for the game. So what, what, what's one thing that drives you nuts, though, uh, when a quarterback does something, whether it's in the game or in practice? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big stickler on mechanics and, and footwork, and a lot of guys don't like doing that, you know. And so I, I want to see them, you know, practice their – display their mechanics, you know, and, and work at it. Be diligent. Again, that gets back to passion for the game. If you have a passion for the game, you'll work on all that stuff. 
that you talk mechanics now mechanics when you're talking out of a gun you know for me i didn't do a whole lot of a gun except you know two minute drills and third downs occasionally um in 98 though we did go into the gun with mark tressler and we ran a no huddle offense for eight games and tore it up made the playoffs with the cardinals but how do you you know for me there seems to be some of these kids playing uh, from shotgun there's no rhythm involved with the passing game it's it's less you know five with a hitch you're going to the end of the over the ball that's a great yeah that's a great statement there jake um and and people don't realize how hard you have to work at it to get that we uh we used to make and i'm going to go back to doing this at the next stop until about 2005 or six the first week of training camp and the first three or four practices of spring practice, I wouldn't let them be in the gun. So I would make them do the whole offense with the rhythm of the drop, you know, uh-huh. five long, two short, three long, two short, one long, two short, you know, yeah. get whatever the route, you know, whatever the route tree demanded. I wanted them to get that rhythm because their feet have to match up with their eyes, as you well know. Yeah. And, and so it's easier to get that uh, from under the center and then put the shotgun in and start taking your various drops from there. You know, for instance, if we're throwing a quick game and under the center, you're going to take one long, two short and deliver the ball well, from the gun. You're just going to catch the ball and set your feet. So, uh, we kind of got away from doing that mainly because the quarterbacks we were recruiting out of high school, unlike you, they had never taken a snap under center. Yeah. So they were, they were doing it from the gun, but I'm going to go back to doing it. Cause I think it really helps. And, and I was studying it a lot this year in the XFL. And, and I, I think that's, there's, there's a lot of truth to that about, uh, you know, about getting, uh, getting that rhythm in your, in your head and your, your eyes and your feet being in sync uh, on each throw. Yeah, there's something to the rhythm of the passing game that you. I feel like it's not lost, but it, like you said, you got to work on it. So I, I like to hear that, and that's a great way to do it. You got to get them under center to teach them how that rhythm works, and then translate it over to the gun so they can feel the timing on it. Yeah, timing we, is we everything. Had a, when you're I've running always had a lot of. Yeah, exactly. I've always had them. We've always had certain plays we wanted to run under the center, and when we first started doing this, I let the quarterbacks pick which ones they wanted from the gun and which ones they wanted from underneath. And then, like I said, in the last decade or so, it's gotten so that, you know, you would ask, how many times have you been under the center? And they'll look at you and go, none. (laughs) You know, so, so we've had to adapt a little bit there, but I think the now that I've done it for a while, both ways, I think that the old way is the best way. You know, Coach, when we think about the position of, of quarterback, we know it's you know the hardest position in all sports, and there's a lot of pressure that quarterbacks have to deal with. So, you know, from a coach coaching perspective, like how do you coach a quarterback to to overcome a mistake, a bad game, throw an interception, a pick six? Like from your perspective, how do you coach that quarterback to get back into their most confident self? Well, it's kind of like coaching corners on defense. You know, they got to have really short memories. And it, it doesn't matter if you threw a touchdown pass or threw an interception for a touchdown. 
the next, the, you, you just got to play the next play. And, and so we just constantly preach that to them about the only, the only important play is the next play. Mm. And, and so you just got to focus on doing your job with that and, and not worry about the outcome of it. You know, I mean, and, and if you do that, uh, the really competitive guys, the guys are going to end up being your starting quarterback, no matter what level you're at there, there's, you know, you're going to have a few guys competing for that deal, but the guy who ends up winning it is, usually the guy that has the most passion for the game. And he's also the most mentally tough guy. Mm-hmm. What would you tell you say you're, you're working with some quarterbacks currently when you get a chance to work with some young quarterbacks, you know, what do you tell them if they want to, their aspirations are to be a quarterback at, you know, in the college level or even dream big to be in the NFL. What do you, what do you tell those youngsters when they want to work quarterbacking at age, you know, 12, 13, 14, how do you approach that? What do you give them to work on and what do you encourage them to do, you know, maybe outside of just football drills? Well, there, there's several things we do. And, uh, the first thing is we, I've got seven drills that we do constantly. And, and I got most of these from Bill Walsh years and years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he was just great at footwork and timing and all that. And so there's some drills that we, that I picked up from him that, that I just do these. I've done them at every level, you know, from Coppers Cove high school to, to the SEC, to, uh, to XFL. And, and we, we just make them do these drills constantly. And we tell them all the time, you can't get, you know, you can't get bored with it. I mean, you have to have a great capacity for boredom to be a good quarterback because you're going to do the same things over and over again, you know, and, and it, it doesn't mean you get bored. It means you have a capacity for boredom, you know, and, and so you, you got to be as enthusiastic about these barrel throws today as you were yesterday, you know, and, and uh, we're going to do those seven drills all the time. And the, the amazing thing about those drills is they kind of are, are uh, they're kind of an, an elixir for whatever ails them in terms of mechanics. Uh, you know, it, they're, they're good for their feet. They're good for their release. Uh, they're, they're good for, uh, you know, ball security, you know, stuff like that. So that, that's the first thing. So that, that's some physical stuff. And then the second thing is I try to get them to – learn to recognize where the defenders are and and i try to keep it as simple as possible we just call our coverage is zero one two three four we don't get complicated we don't have eight 16 different coverages there's just basically if you got 11 guys and you're playing on a field that's 52 yards by 120 yards there's only certain ways you can line up and and so you know obviously zero is nobody deep and they're probably going to blitz you one is man free two is cover two and there's various versions of that, but, but basically where are they, do they have two set, two high safeties or one high safety and then cover mm-hmm. three is cover three cover four is basically what it, you know, what it's four across sometimes two on one side, four on the other. But I, I try to just simplify it like that. And so when we, when we call the snap count, when we're doing these drills, I make them, if we're like saying have seven on seven, I make them call out the coverage before they call the snap count. So they would say like three, 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 three. And then I can stand on the sidelines and hear what they're saying and know that they're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. And if they call it wrong, I can correct them. So by doing that, young guys pick that up real fast. That was really great in high school where I had, you know, you had to coach in Texas, you coach the seventh graders on up. And, and, uh, and so that, that really helped 
those young guys learn learn about coverage and where the where the bodies were on the field. And then uh, there's a couple of little things that I really like. I think to to be a good a great passer, you you have to be accurate. And the way you get accurate is you're able to focus your eyes on a small target, not a not a big target. So when you say throw to this receiver over here, you know the great quarterbacks are going to throw it to the to the uh, top of the eight on his jersey. You know, you're just yeah. going to throw it to the guy. You know, <laughs> so you want to yeah. try to get them to focus their eyes on a small point, and a great way to do that is to is to uh, tell them to get a dartboard and play darts in their garage. And so we yeah. do that. Um, even in the XFL, we in our quarterback room we had a dartboard. We have constantly had a dart game going on. Um, nice. and, but I really believe it helps <laughs> you focus your eyes. Uh, so that you know, that's kind of. Uh, some of the stuff I that I really like. I mean, you know, in the off season, there's a lot of stuff you can do that don't necessarily involve football. Um, I like to see them hit heavy bags and and speed bags like boxers do. Yeah, that's a good one for your arm strength, rotator cuff, all that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think somehow it kind of makes you tougher too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you may not actually be tougher, but if you think you are, then that just that's just as good. Totally. That's true. <laughs> well, I think it's about that time where we uh, maybe ask some, some out-of-the-pocket questions, Jake. What do you think? Let me go. Okay, so, Coach, we like to step out of the pocket, talk a little non-football, get a little insight into how you think about certain things. So I'm going to ask you a couple quick out-of-the-pocket questions because um, that's where I did a lot okay. of my fun, you know, you know, uh, freewheeling yeah. and, and making it happen. So. Pick a superpower that you could have. If any of any all the superpowers in the world, what would you like to have as a superpower? Uh, well, I think teleportation would be the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it'd solve it. all those lines at the airports and all that sort of stuff. You know. True, true. It'd be real nice right now too. Like oh, I want to go to yeah. Costa Rica. Boom. And yeah. that that yeah. makes a good one here. So if you could. My next out of the out of the out of the pocket question was going to be, if you had to get, leave town, like they said, how you got to go, coach, you got to get out of town, you got a one way ticket, you got to teleport somewhere, anywhere in the world, where are you going and who's going with you? Well, I'd take my wife Jacqueline, but we we would probably go to Key West and hang out with Leach, and we would teleport nice. to Key West. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I have a, I have a few here, Coach. Um, when you think of your dream job, whether at the professional level, collegiate, or even high school, what what would be your dream job right now um, as a as a head coach or OC? And who would be if you had a pick of any quarterback to run your offense? Who would it be? Oh wow, that's a, that's a hard one because there's so many good ones out there. Um, my, as far as the job, I'm always my dream job's always been the one I have right now. And so, since the XFL folded up, I guess I'm just waiting on the next one. The dream job is going to be the next one. Mm. Um, but if I could pick any quarterback to coach and play with right now, I, you know, probably probably Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I I, I think he would really be fun to be around. I, I know the OU guys real well, and I know a lot about Baker and. Uh, I, I think that's probably who I would pick. Got it. Cool. 
I'd like to see him doing so, some stuff like he did in college rather than what they're – I don't know what the new Browns are going to do, but the old Browns, they totally. were – they were, yeah, they were not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more here, one more question here. Um, knowing that you're, uh, you know, you're from Texas, um, when you're when you're chilling in your car and you're driving places, like what do you typically listen to? What do you ha- what do you have rolling on, rolling in your car? Well, I listen I listen to a lot of news. I listen to Fox News all the time. I listen to Will Cow Ma- Majority and Sean Handy. I'm very conservative. Um, and then I if it's music. I'm usually listening to the the uh, Margaritaville Channel 24 on Sirius, <laughs> and uh, and then other than that, you see, uh, you know, rock and roll, a lot of rock and roll, and uh, some country. Right on. I love George Strait. I love Garth Brooks. And, you know, I love uh, I love some of the old country. Yeah, country western. Singer, I love it. People like that. Oh yeah. Nice. Pretty eclectic on music. My wife and I actually love Frank Sinatra. We listen to his channel, that the Sinatra channel, a lot too. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, well, coach, we uh, we we really enjoyed having you on the show, and we really appreciate you sharing your your experience and your and your mindset on coaching quarterbacks. And uh, it was just an honor to have you on our show. I appreciate you guys inviting me, and and uh, you know, hopefully, we can all get out there and and uh, have football again soon, and uh, just pray for the country. You know, yes, sir. Well, hey, coach, good luck on where you land next. And uh, like like Grant said, thanks for your time. It's uh, great hearing some old stories of how someone like yourself helped change the game tremendously. And uh, you got to take pride in that. And we're appreciative of you, uh, appreciative of you t- spending some time with us on uh, In and Out of the Pocket. Oh, thanks for having me. I've always been a big fan, Jake. Always enjoyed watching you play. Hey, thank you, coach. I appreciate it, man. You have a great one down there. Okay, y'all be safe. All right. See you, coach.